what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. Spiritless supports the conscientious cocktailer who wants to live fully but drink differently. Their signature Kentucky 74 is a distilled non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails. It's zero alcohol zero guilt, and just 15 calories per serving. Whether you go completely spiritless or go halvesies with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail, you can get your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For, the podcast, where we meet the world's most innovative and creative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is crisis communications expert Judy Smith. The truth usually always comes out. It's just a question of when, right? So do you want to deal with it now or do you want to deal with it later? Judy Smith is one of a kind. She's so good at her job, her story inspired one of the most successful TV shows of all time. That's right. She is the real-life Olivia Pope, made famous by actress Kerry Washington of the ABC show Scandal, The Fixer who handles hard situations and always figures a way forward. While the show no longer exists, Judy's work continues. She is the founder, president, and CEO of the crisis management firm Smith & Company. She has quote-unquote handled many major celebrities and Fortune 500 companies who have found themselves in hot water. Her experience ranges from the Iran-Contra investigation to the Monica Lewinsky scandal to the World Health Organization's response to the SARS epidemic. Today, Judy joins me to share her path, how she became such an expert in this niche field, and how modern companies can rise to the challenge of some of the most pressing concerns in our country right now. Please enjoy my interview with Judy Smith. Thank you so much for doing this. It's such it's so wonderful to see you this morning. And I'm just going to make sure we're rolling and, and go. I want to maximize every minute if that's okay on your end. No, I appreciate You know what I wanted? I, I, I told Diana, I wish I would have said, let's do it later when we can actually sit down and like have a meal instead of doing it like this, because I would actually like to meet you and have a conversation. You know what? That's going to be my first question. So, you know, in normal times, we would be dining at your favorite restaurant, wherever that is in the country. And I'm so curious. I know you grew up in the D.C. area. Where is your favorite restaurant? 
Well, it's it sort of depends. Now, if we were in a tight schedule, right, because it's not that far from where I live, I would probably pop into a season's 52. Mm. I'm going to tell you why. It doesn't feel like a chain. I know the people there. The food is healthy. Yes. You know exactly what you're getting. Yes. Yeah. So that would probably be one. I would say that if I really liked you, like really <laughs> liked you, I would say, why don't we pop to my house? And I would make you like a nice, very clean, amazing pasta, nice glass of wine, and we'd have a nice dinner. Well, it's interesting you pick those two. First of all, yes and yes. I'm ready to come over to Judy Smith's house for a clean pasta and a glass of wine. So thank you for the invitation. Um, but, but, you know, when you're in strategic communications, right, you don't want to, maybe you don't want to be at the see and be seen restaurant, right? When you're meeting right. with a client or, or, or otherwise, you might want to fly under the radar, right? Because I'm sure in the DC area, people know you, they know you very well. And so you want to kind of blend in if you can. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so it just to your point, it really does make a difference. But if I'm going out, you know, it's really a that I have to eat. Right. I'm starving and I'm, you know, sort of rolling around or B, I'm actually having a nice dinner. With mm, so yes. it just depends on, you know, the time and the, the circumstance, basically. Very yeah. well, very well. Well, I'm always fascinated by who people wanted to be when they were coming out of college and how that differed. When I was looking into your background, you actually majored in public relations. So did you ever have any idea or even an inkling that this would be your path? No, I mean, I have to tell you, it's interesting. I would say I thought that I was going to be a teacher. I thought I might be a nun. I might really? be a nun. Yes, what? you know why? Because I went to Catholic school all my life, right? And uh, I thought about that. I did think about being a lawyer and I did, uh, you know, end up being, you know, being that. Right. But yeah, I mean, oftentimes I think people have these visions when you know, when we don't really know ourselves about what we want to do and want to be. But I do think that when we get there, there's always an underlying thread, right, of who we were then and who we are now. It's the, it's, it's the same. It's, it's the same, basically. Because when I think about, here's what I mean by that. When I think about, for me, sort of how I wanted to to live my life, right? And sort of what I wanted to shape it to be, it always comes back to something that is impactful, something that is uh, really helping people and assisting, right? And making sure that people just, you know, you are impacting their lives in a purposeful and meaningful way. So anything I've ever wanted to do or anything that's ever been about that, it's always had that underlying current. Does that make sense? It, abso yeah. it absolutely yeah. does. You know, when before you started your company, you mm -hmm. had a myriad of different experiences in quote unquote public relations, which is a very yeah. large umbrella. You know, whether yeah. it's the White House or whether working for NBC, there's a big difference between public relations and sort of strategic crisis communications. 
Yeah. Can you take me through that thread of realizing, wow, I'm actually really good at the strategic crisis part of this communications role? Mm-hmm. I think a few things. One is I am uh, good with people, right? And when you think about it, whether it's a CEO or individual, oftentimes crisis and issues surround that. And so in order to have a solve for it, you've got to understand the person, the company, the organization. And so that's easy, that's easy for me to do. It feels very organic to me, right? I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, the other day and I hadn't talked to her, her name is Tawana Cole, and we grew up together. And I was just checking on to see how she was doing. And I don't know how we got into this conversation. And we were talking about work. And she said, I always knew that you were going to do something where you were solving problems or in a leadership role. And I said, why did you say that? She said, I remember when we were six, seven years old that another colleague of mine, they were talking and said, okay, when we come out the house, we're going to stand strong no matter what Judy says that we're going to go over here and play. We're going to say no. We're going to stand up. We're going to be leaders. And I said, what happened? She said, both of us came out the house and you said, hey, everybody, let's go do this. And we fell right in line. (laughs) And I'm like, really? I was doing that or six or seven. She said, yep. And it just really took me back. And so it Do you know what I mean? It makes you really think about those things. You had the leadership gene way back then. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? knew? Well, when I was talking with your colleague, Diana, you know, I I asked her about, you know, what do you think Judy is uniquely good at? And she said she just has a gut like no other. She just feels and sesses situations out deeply. And do you, now that you look back, do, do you think that's something you've always had or something that had to be developed? I think I've always had it. I think it's sharpened as I've, you know, have had more experiences and I've I've grown older, right? I mean, Tawana was telling me about how I solved a dispute in the neighborhood when a couple was about 10, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend and broke up, but it made the whole neighborhood miserable because nobody was playing together, right? (laughs) I said, let's bring everybody together. Let's talk about it. Who does that again? That's crazy. Oh, that is hilarious. And I know you and I know you've written a book which helps yeah. people um, with their own personal crisis. Right. But let's think big picture with some of the the big crises that you have had to and I know you don't talk spe- about specific clients, yeah. but in an overarching way, what do you think is the biggest mistake companies make when they are handling a crisis? and putting it out in the world? Ah, that's a big one. I would probably say one of the biggest mistakes that they make is not coming to terms with what the issue is and communicating about it in a authentic and organic way that resonates with their audience, right? I mean, people often think and CEOs that if they're, say, if they're cultural issues, right, and not speaking about it, that actually connects with the people that you are trying to communicate to, 
oftentimes corporate speak is not the is not necessarily the 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 answer to it. In fact, it rarely is, right? The corporate speak has no is not there's such a disconnect between what average everyday folks think and and corporate speak. And it's like how yes. do you bridge that gap? Yeah, no, and I think that's right and I think people lose sight of that. Companies are thinking, "Oh, how can I put a mass message out to communicate to the employees?" And I think that we forget that those employees are actually human beings, right? I mean, when you think about where we are, for example, in COVID, people are not the same people they were pre-COVID. Oh, isn't that the truth? Yeah. They're just not, right? I mean, put aside the obvious that people are at home, um, they're dealing with going to work, they're dealing with being at home with spouses and, and children they are also right and they're also running school now they're also yes. teachers right yes and i also think when something like this like covid or situations you know that that really affect your life at its core it makes you re-examine where you are mm-hmm. and who right? you are and what's important i know we've all done that what's important and what's not and so i think corporations we can all probably do a better job at taking into account when you are communicating to people, you need to meet them where they are Mm. and, and, and take them to where you maybe would like for them to be, but you have to go on that journey. When you think about the the past year, the pandemic, black lives matter, uh, the cultural reckoning that we have seen and gone through, Would it be fair to say that communication strategy should should and has to change for almost every company? Because as you said, we are a different culture as a country right now. Oh, you're spot on. It it has to and it has. Right. I mean, otherwise you are losing your employees and, and, and your base. I think the real issue that that companies are also facing is how you communicate and when you communicate, right? We've had so many things going on in the world. Do I speak on this as a CEO, right? What do I say? Am I going to reach the core audience? All those things um, CEOs are are struggling a bit, right? Because there's so many issues that are, are facing all of us and Which ones do you stand up for? Which ones do you put your company behind? What does the CEO personally believe? Do they stand up for? Those are very complex, I think, and multifaceted issues that that, that many folks are struggling with. It's such a interesting dance because, you know, my background is journalism. I've been a local reporter in small, medium and large cities all over the country. And I always felt that, you know, in any sort of news situation, when you would call for a comment or you try to get a comment from the CEO, it was almost as if most companies first of all, it was fear. You felt the fear, the no comment. You'd always get the no comment, the fear. But you always felt like too much thought was put into it. Um, But the reality is maybe not enough nuanced thought was put into it. Yes. Yes. Well, I think that's spot on. I mean, I always tell people um, as well is that 
I can think of a thousand ways to say no comment. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't say no comment. Exactly yeah. right. right. Exactly right. right. And so, you know, if you're in a situation, if you can't, you can't. But there are other ways of saying that, right? And and I think when CEOs come out and speak the truth, it resonates. I'll give you a good example. We were just talking about this probably a few weeks ago. It's the CEO of General Motors, right? And I think when all the issues came about, about, you know, faulty uh, cars and brakes and all of those things, and, and it was a very serious situation, people died, people were injured, right? And I thought that she did a really good job because she faced right into it. This is horrible. This is awful. We're going to fix it. And, you know, communications people around her were saying, just say one thing about it. Don't talk about it. And then it'll go away. And she was very smart and said, no, I'm going to talk about it Mm. because I want to make sure that this company doesn't forget. This is not how we should be building cars. And this is not the effect and impact that we want to have on consumers. Right. Because it's not just the consumer, what they think, it's all your employees. And what do they think about working there? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And, And if you just are still and listen to your instincts, right, most of the time they're right. It's when you get into a room where you've got you know, legal, you've got regulatory, you got all of those folks giving you all advice and counsel. And it's it's good advice, but at the end of the day, you have to choose the path as a leader and somebody who's advising CEOs to go down the path that you feel that's right. When you are dealing with individuals or companies, yeah, it's very often you're you're you might show up at the worst day of, of their company or the worst day of their life and have to go to work. What is that like personally? And how do you handle being in the room with people at, at their most fragile? I think the, the way to do that that I try to do is recognize where people are in that moment. If there is something difficult to talk about or to share I already know in my head that I'm not going to get that in one conversation, right? Because when you think about it, I might be a total stranger and you have to sit across from me and tell me about something that's really bad that, you know, that a mistake was made and you probably don't want to share that, Mm -hmm. right? So I think you want to give people that kind of space and time to be able to to do that. So oftentimes, if someone is in that space, I don't run out and give a statement about anything. Why? Because I know that I don't have all the facts then, Ah. right? Because in that case, that the information comes out in installments, Mm -hmm. right? It's when people have to feel feel comfortable, right? Like trust. No, yeah, I actually think that the company made a mistake, but I don't know how to communicate that, right? Or, you know, I think we could have done better with A, B, C, and D, but, you know, that group was run by Joe and, 
Joe is about to retire and it would ruin his career or, you know, a whole host of things. From the outside, it may look simple, but from the inside, most of the time is, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty complex, basically. Right. It's nuanced. It is. It is. And then sometimes there are, you know, other situations where, and this is the part I love about my job, where you get to go in and you get to make real change for people, mm. right? If there's a, a company that knows that their culture has to be better, right? That they need to be offering more opportunities to their employees. I can go in and have conversations. I think we need a, a good training and leadership program for women, right? And that would be great because that's in place for the next five years. And so you can't go out and say, oh, did that but but that is the kind of for me the um, satisfaction that you are making that I am making an impact and helping to make individuals and people's lives better as I as I go through these things we'll have more on this conversation in just a minute but first thank you to our sponsors to dine for the podcast is brought to you by American National offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National Agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. There are few people who have a, a TV show created around what they have done in this world. I mean, first of all, and, and now you serve as a technical advisor and producer on the program Scandal with Olivia, the Olivia Pope. What is yeah. that like? And is that kind of crazy weird that they, uh, that they have crazy cre- weird? <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to describe it. That was a good technical term right there. <laughs> I mean, it must be very heady, like to see yourself on television. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I felt very lucky about it, and it, it's um, it's running on, uh, I think, Netflix now. It, it's it's interesting in the sense that it impacted so many people in an industry as well, right? I mean, it was the first time it was an African American woman who played the lead in television, and what. 40 years almost, I think, right? And I remember talking to a CEO of an entertainment company. And this, the show had been out, I think, for about a year or so. And he called me up and he wanted to take me out to lunch. And we were talking. 
And uh, he's just said, I really want to say thank you. I said, thank you for what? He said, the show completely turned the industry on its head because it said that you can have this kind of person as a lead, right? And the show would be successful. And so I always thank the people um, that watched it and continue to watch it because it opened up the doors for so many other people, um, in particular minorities, to walk through the door and say, okay, yeah, hire me. This is possible. I'm standing right here. And, 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 and made them aware of what that career path looked like and the impact you could make and the good you could do. I know it's dramatized and you're not hiding bodies. And yeah, you right. the exactly. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> but but it, it made, it illuminated an entire career path and also yeah. having a black woman in that role said, hey, all these, you know, girls and young women that watch, say, hey, I, this is something I could do I didn't even know was possible. Yeah, no, I remember um, Diana actually told me about this. It was um, a young girl who wrote in and I, I, I called her up and she told me that she was writing her class paper on me. And I was like, oh, oh, that's so, you know, and I called her up and she got an A, you know, I kept track. <laughs> she got an A, that was important. But the, for me, the thought that someone would even think about, you know, let me write my school paper about me mm. was just incredible. I remember when I wrote my school paper about Shirley Chisholm. Right. And so, um, yeah, I feel very, very blessed and very grateful. For yeah, that. it's important to have heroes. It's important to have idols and people to look up to. I'm just wondering, as you look back on your career in communications, what advice would you give to a young person who is thinking about going down a similar path? Mm-hmm. And what advice do you almost wish you knew back when, when you were first starting? I wish I knew earlier on that I was able to start my own company. I would have started a little earlier than what I did. Although, as I just said, that sentence just came out. Things sort of happen when I think in some ways when they're supposed to happen. Uh I may not have had the kind of experience that I've had, right? If I had started, if I had started a little earlier. But yeah, I mean, being able to, I think the advice that I would give younger folks is, you know, try to, to the extent that you can, have a good sense of yourself and who you are and what you stand for. That to me is important because it has guided me throughout my life, right? Those principles, those values, those ethics are important. We had done some research on this company that was going to hire us, right? And we figured it out that they paid I don't know, let's say 50 grand a month or something like that. And when we met with them, they talked and they said that they wanted to hire us. I'm like, great, wonderful. This is exciting. And when they came back, they said that uh, we were going to pay you 10 or 12 grand a month. And we were going to test you for three months. Hmm. I'm thinking exactly my point, but I didn't really say, mm, there was a little more of a side eye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. 
But I remember thinking about it because I wanted to, to work with the company. But no, I came back and I said that we are not aligned, that I place more value on myself and what I bring to the table than you. And that's okay, right? But know that what you offering me does not take that into account and I'm gonna have to pass. And I, I wouldn't take the money. And she must have thought about it because you know the CEO or marketing person that said you need to hire her and came back and magically uh, <laughs> three days later, the money appeared. Right, hocus pocus, more <laughs> money. It just kind of happened, right? So I would tell probably young women to be very clear about your values and ethics and where you stand and stand up for what you know is right and know what your value is. And don't be afraid to, to ask for that. That's fantastic advice. Know your value and, and don't waver on it because, uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Very often, I imagine you walk into a room and you are the only black woman in that room. Mm-hmm. How has that become a superpower? For me, it's always been a superpower, right? I know people are, are more uh, in tune with it now. It's just the way that I was raised, right? And it started very young that everybody is equal, right? You should be treated with decency and respect. And so I have, I've always demanded that. People need to show up in their lives and be who they are, right? And I know that that sometimes that is, sometimes that might be difficult or hard. I remember when I was at the White House, I uh, when I first started working, I was thinking, God, everybody wears like blue, gray, or black. Like it's some kind of secret uniform. Like I don't, you know, I don't really know. And I remember going to Marlon Fitzwater, who's uh, press secretary at the time. And I think I'd been there maybe three weeks, right? And I went to Marlon. I said, so what's the deal here? I said, is this like some, you know, unwritten code or something? Uniform. Right, uniform. And he said, well, no, I don't think. I said, well, good, because tomorrow I'm going to sport my red blazer. Like, I look really good in colors, So that's, I'm going to be rolling with that Mm. tomorrow. He said, great, can't wait for to see it, right? Mm. And so it is just, you know, it's you have to be who you are. Otherwise than that, I don't think you're going to soar. Was So that part of the Olivia Pope character, the fact that she loved to stand out, that she did was not trying to blend in in any way, shape, or form, that was very much authentic to you. Yeah, in the sense that I want to be who I am. Right. I'm not going to try to fit in a mold that I think may be acceptable for other people or make other people feel comfortable. That's being, to me, dishonest with yourself. And that would seem pretty painful, I would think. Right. And so white. Yes. White is my favorite color. I like white a lot. It's clean. It's easy. You can travel with different colors, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. But you just want to show up and be who you who you are. And let other people react to that. But I'm just wondering if being, you know, when you walk into a room and you are coming from a different place and you don't look like everyone, whether it actually allows you to see things other people don't see and allows you to look at communications in a more strategic way. Well, it's an interesting question 
Because I do think that in a lot of ways, when you are solving issues, right, or you're navigating through it, the ability that I have is to look at problems from different lenses because I've had to, right, to your point. And then to look at problems from a 360 point of view. And I think that has been it's just extremely helpful because I'm able to put myself in anybody's shoes. What might that feel like, right? How would we communicate that? Because you have to be able to adjust. You have to be able to see how things are going to land, right? And as we started the conversation of talking about culture, a statement that you would put out eight months ago or nine months ago, about something that happened in the company about culture is not the same one that you're going to be putting out now. And unless you are in tune to that, it's not going to, it's not going to land well for the company. A lot of companies are doing whatever they can to try to get in the moment in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh And very difficult to do if you don't actually have any African Americans on your staff. So as many companies are, right? So they're they're trying to handle the communications crisis of their particular organization and they have no one to fall on. And it is really fascinating to see it play out across the country in so many different organizations. I'm just wondering what you think from your unique perspective, looking at so many companies, some handling it very well, some not handling it at all. Yeah, I think it's difficult to do if you're fundamentally not authentic about it, right? When uh, Black Lives Matter, when, you know, all of that started, you saw a lot of companies just giving checks, Right. And we had talked to companies that we work with and say, if you really are caring about the issue and it's important, let's do something that is really thoughtful, that's long term and that can actually make a dent in helping to end systemic racism. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that to me is how you want to show up. Yes. Giving money to organizations is helpful. Right. But you need a long term plan and how to do that. It is not a simple thing. There are things that you can do immediately. Right. If if somebody says that we need to be more diverse in the workforce. okay. well, here's a simple thing you can do. Everybody that's hiring, make sure that they have a diverse slate. If, in fact, you are saying that there's not enough people on the senior management team, CEO can easily make a commitment to fix that. They can make that decision today. So um, just being really thoughtful about it and making sure it's going to have some impact. Judy, you've mentioned so many different aspects of communication and strategic communications and crisis communications today. I'm just wondering, when all is said and done, what you really think is your unique talent and gift? What do you think when, what part of all of of this business is uniquely Judy Smith? Well, that's a big question. Um, I think I would hope at the end of the day that A, by assisting, right? And uh, charting paths for organizations or individuals 
that I have helped, that I have been purposeful about it, and that I have made, I've made an impact. And I think for me, what's unique for me is being able to listen and to step in the shoes of the entity or individual that I'm listening to. Mm. Your book talks about trusting your gut and, and, yeah. and, and really, you know, going with your own intuition. How does a person hone that? You have to trust it because it's there. If you just listen to it, you really do have to trust it. And um, for me, I mean, as we've talked about at an early age, it's been organic for me. But because I have listened to it over the course of the years, I think it's gotten, you know, it's, it's gotten a lot better. I mean, I can walk into a room and have a good sense of whether somebody's telling the truth or somebody's not telling the truth. Mm. That's going to affect, right, the message, what you say, how you say it, what you don't say. I mean, you know, all of those kinds of things. So so uh, even so even if you have a client where you can tell they're not telling the truth and maybe they're not going to get there, you have to develop a strategy around what they're willing to share with the world. Oh, but they need to get there, <laughs> right? They need to get there because... Here's the thing that that I have learned about that is that the truth usually always comes out. It's just a question of when. Mm. Right. So do you want to deal with it now or do you want to deal with it later? Oh, that's good. Right. So you might as well deal with it now, (laughs) basically. You might as well deal with it now. It's not it's going to follow you. It's going to follow you. The truth shall set you free. Yes, we should we should stay with that. That is absolutely. We correct. should tattoo it. We should get a tattoo. Yes, yes, we can do it when we get together for dinner. Judy, thank you so much. I can't wait to raise a glass at Seasons Fifty Two with you at some point in the future. This has been such a pleasure. I really, oh, really appreciate thank it. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it as well. Thanks for listening to To Dine For the podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For, the podcast, American National and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.